Welcome to the NACA American Dream Program. Each week, we'll talk about how NACA is revolutionizing mortgage lending with the best mortgage in America. It's no down payment, no closing cost or fees, no PMI, no consideration of your credit score. And guess what? It's at a below market fixed rate. NACA is just relentless. This is the NACA way. What's going on? Welcome back. Welcome back for another episode of NACA's American Dream Program. First of all, Happy New Year, everyone. We we made it. We're in another year. We made it through a tumultuous what COVID year. We're into a new year. We're out buying houses. We're doing all kinds of stuff. NACA, again, is always relentless. But we have a, not a surprise, but we have our favorite two back, and they're together. We have them tag teaming us, y'all. We have Tammy Johnson and Eric Exum. They are back by popular demand. They're always being requested. They're going to be here to answer your questions. So if you have any questions for us, please make sure you dial 833-771-0500. Again, that number is 833-771-0500. And now we have our mistress of ceremony out there in Texas. What's going on? How's it out there? How's the weather? It's the new day, Damian. This is the year 22, giving you everything you need to do to get into your home. This is it. 22 is just for you. Let me tell you, this is a beautiful (laughs) year, a beautiful day. We made it. You can't stop it. We are unbeatable. I'm loving the day. And I'm so happy to be here with our two favorite people. Oh, my God. We're giving you a double dose. This is 22. So we're giving you two of them, two double doses, giving you what you need to succeed. And that's what we're here to do. And and look, at a 30-year, on a 30-year, we're doing a 2.25 interest rate. And on a 15-year, we're topping it out at a 1.375. You can't beat that with a stick. Go ahead on and poke me because I'm done. That's mm, it. <laughs> you can't awesome. poke me, wow. me with a knife because I'm done. That's the best thing you can possibly tell me that you can be out house shopping and getting your 30 year fix at a 2.25 interest rate. And you can get a 15 year fix at a 1.375. And we got the two people that can tell you the best way to talk about the hand department, how to get your house, you know, appraised properly, the repairs done. You know, getting the, that that house that may be an eyesore for somebody else, but you can see the potential in it for someone else. We're here to talk about those things. We're here to talk with Eric Exum and Tammy Johnson, but Eric is going to talk to us. Wealth Watchers, I heard you last time. You wanted to know more from Eric about a thin file. You wanted more to hear more from Eric about underwriting conditions, how to get my conditions cleared, Eric, and things like that. So ladies and gentlemen, yes, backed by popular demand, we begged him to come and he said, don't beg me. I'm here for you. Just tell me what you need me to do. So he is here to do just that. We got Eric Exum and Tammy Johnson, you guys, thank you so much for joining us. Damien, we got him. Wow. We got him back yes. in the new year and the first show in the new year. Wow. The first show. I think they just need to come back at the top of the month every, every month. You know, I really do. I really do. You guys reach out to us. 
Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, throw them hearts up for them and knock it out with some questions at 833-771-0500. That's 833-771-0500. Let us know what you want to talk about. They have, we have an hour of their time. Let's get them. Let's knock it out. Eric, tell us, Wealth Watchers, thank you out there in Florida. Tell Wealth Watchers in these organizations who are also listening to how to best counsel people and get them prepared in readiness for homes. How is it that you can have a thin file and still come through the NACA program? What is a thin file? Well, happy new, happy new year to everyone. I'm glad to be here and hopefully everybody is starting off to 2022 right and hopefully we can help. So a thin file is a file that's put together by NACA so that there can be the least amount of conditions possible at bank. So let me back up a little bit, right? Our members, a lot of us, we have, you know, intense situations, messy lives, messy situations. It does not mean we're not ready for homeownership. So I might've had 22 jobs in the last five years. A thin file would reduce it down to only the jobs in the most recent two years required on the 1003 application. I might've had multiple residences in the last five years, you know, 15 residences. I'll, I'll bring it down to just the last two. We'll focus on current income. We'll focus on the most recent two years tax returns. We'll put together the letter of explanation. What we'll do is we'll take a file. You ever hear you know, somebody talking about they submit their file to the bank and they just mm -hmm. keep getting conditions coming back. Every time they meet a condition, new conditions come on. It's because there's so much information provided that it's triggering the, the underwriter at the lender Mm -hmm. to try to really dig in and get more information to make sure that they, they can say yes to that file, that they can approve that file. Well, a thin file gives the bank only exactly what they need to approve that file, get it cleared to close and get it through. So the concept of NACA is to work with you and your real life situation. A lot of our situations are messy and make them unmessy and get that big thick file of all those different things happening to a thin file that can be lender approved right away. Eric, do you think that's the best approach? Absolutely. I mean, too much information is just as bad as too little information, right? That happens in a lot of negotiations and interactions in life. What NACA does, we know what's relevant. You have to provide the bank and you should provide the bank and we do provide the bank everything that's relevant. What we're great at is understanding your true life situation removing anything that's not relevant for lending purposes and getting that to the bank. That's your thin file. Now, Eric, you mentioned, you made a, a statement about everything being updated. We're in a new year. So there are certain things like taxes and W-2s. When and how and what are their timeframes for coming due? Um, so everybody can be on board with making sure they have that information. Perfect updated. question. Yeah, it's a really good question. So, you can work with whatever you've already sent right now. It does, January 1st doesn't change anything. The dates that are relevant, January 31st. If you're a 1099 or W-2 employee, you must have your 1099s and or W-2s submitted with your file by January 31st. Your employer is obligated, they're required to provide you a copy of your, of your W-2s by January 31st. Thus, the you know, lending, you have to have them by January 31st. Your tax returns, of course, as you know, need, need to be completed by April 15th, unless that date falls upon a weekend or a national holiday. 
and then it would roll to the next business day. So this year it is going to be April 15th. So you do have to have your tax returns by April 15th. Now, what's really important to understand is if looking in your bank statements, we can see that you received a tax return or made a tax payment, then we know you filed your taxes. So you can file your taxes anytime February or after. So if you filed your taxes, then we will need your 2022 tax returns. Final piece on that, if last year you owed, so say you filed taxes last year and for easy math, you owed $5,000. We're now into 2022, as you point out, David. So this year, we're going to make sure that you not only have your minimum required funds to make your purchase. So for most of the country, that's around $2,500, you know, um, to pay for your interim interest, prepaid taxes, prepaid insurance. But in addition to that, you'll also need whatever you owed for last year, demonstrating you can pay your taxes for this year and you have the money to close. Now, does does that 5,000 you just mentioned in taxes have to be paid off to zero or can you be making payments? How does that work? Well, great question. Um, I'm gonna answer the two questions you answered in one. Um, First, you don't necessarily have to have filed yet well, we're just making sure, I use 5,000 as an example, saying that's what you owed for your 2020 taxes. Now we know your 2021 are due in the next, between now and April 15th. So we're gonna make sure you have enough money to pay your tax obligation for the most recent year and be able to close in your house. Basically, you don't wanna be get right to closing and then you're choosing between filing, you know, paying your taxes and buying a house. You don't wanna mess with the government. Um, they, can, they can employ what's called a super lien. Um, to answer your question about payments, you cannot be in a payment plan for the most recent tax year. So it could be years ago that you're paying in a payment plan, and then we have 12 months of verified payments into that payment plan, meaning you agreed with the IRS what your payments would be, and that's the IRS will give you a document saying, okay, you know, Mr. Smith, we'll, we'll let you pay $129 a month until you're paid off for tax years 2016, 17, and 18. As long as you're showing that you're paying those, that 129 per month on time or as agreed for 12 months, that just becomes a liability. It does get factored into your income to debt ratios, but it's fine that you're in a payment plan. If you owed for the year 2020, that has to be paid in full prior to you being able to make the purchase, prior to you qualifying and or buying the house. So now, you does can that have the payment plan on all the other years except for the current year. Current year has to be current. Stated perfectly. That's exactly right. Now, Eric, here's the here's the catch in there. We still owe for 2020, but in a few days we'll be due for 2021. So this 2020 now can be in the payment plan, whereas 2021 has to be paid off, or you're still going to make them go back and pay 2020 as well. Well, keep in mind what I said that you have to you have to have 12 months of on-time payments. So okay. they probably didn't have that if they still owe for 2020. That's right. Okay. But if they have the 12, so if they happen to file, you know, January 1st, which you can't, you know, you have to wait until February 1st, right? Um, so they would really only have 11 months at this point. So they're going to need to pay off 2020 and 2021 at this point if they want to qualify. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Ooh. Well, we're going on. Ms. Butler, Keisha, Richard, Kizzy, Denise, stay tuned. Hold on. We get into your questions <laughs> as they come in. First, and you guys keep them coming because we're here. Like I said, we're going to give you everything you need to succeed right here. So next question, uh, Eric and Tammy. Uh, Ms. Butler wants to know with 
everything that's going on with COVID, what are the rules about changing jobs uh, to, to stay qualified or to get qualified if I've changed my job due to COVID and possibly even my career due to COVID? How is NACA looking at that as far as qualification? These are excellent questions. Uh, do, do you want me to take this, Tammy? Do you want to take it? I think you're we lost muted, Tammy. I think she said you, you take it. <laughs> All right. Um, these are excellent <laughs> questions. So, uh, what we're going to focus on, especially with COVID, but this would be outside of COVID. So I'm going to dig into both. We're going to focus on the stability of your current income. Right. I'm going to say it again, the stability of your current income. So you, you said something interesting, and it's a great question, changing jobs and changing careers. So low and moderate income people, we tend to have similar income, even though we change jobs. So it doesn't matter that we change jobs multiple times if the income is similar to what it was, meaning somebody who makes $20 an hour, generally speaking, is gonna to continue to make $20 an hour. And it doesn't matter that that person changes jobs and or even careers uh, multiple times. But if somebody goes from $20 an hour to $75 an hour, that's a significant change and will need more history to see or information to understand why that changed. It might be that they just finished a master's degree and they got the promotion they were looking for, um, whether they're now eligible or, or have the credentials for a different career. And that's gonna make sense. And even with that recent change and a gap, we can use the higher income. So we're just gonna, we're gonna really focus on the stability of the current income. Now, when it comes to COVID, just help us with documentation from your previous and current employer. We're going to look for your current employer to fill out the section of your verification where we ask, what is the likelihood of continued employment? If they say excellent, very good, anything like that, that's going to significantly help. And the previous employer or, and or the change and or the gap, same employer. You know, I was with my employer because of COVID. We, they had to lay us off for a while, but we're back now. Just get documentation from that, from that employer that you were laid off due to COVID. And then we'll be able to underwrite to your current income, of course, same thing, as long as the current income is stable. Our only fear and our only concern and the only reason you wouldn't get through is if you're likely to be in a situation where you get a mortgage and six months from now, a year from now, or the near future, you won't have the income you need to continue making your monthly mortgage payments. And Eric, just to add on to that, can you speak a little bit about you know, the great resignation, we've had a lot of folks leave their jobs and take the dream of self-employment. Make sure you kind of touch on how self-employment is uh, also part of stability and what kind of timeline we're looking at for that. It, it's a good point. So um, as Hemi points out, if it was your choice to leave your employment and you have a gap of 30 days or more, that in the most recent 12 months, that is going to pose a problem for you. So, so that's, you're probably going to have to, depending on the rest of your file, you're more than likely going to have to have 12 months without significant gaps. A significant gap would be 30 days or more. Um, you know, and you're right. A lot of people made the decision to take a step back and, and I, don't, I don't fault anyone for it. Collect right. themselves, think about their future, think about what they really want to do. Um, and they may have gone back into employment or self-employment. So I'll address self-employment now. If they changed completely and went to self-employment, our rule of thumb is you need two years of self-employment before you can qualify using that income. 
Now, there are some self-employment incomes where we can make an exception to one year, but your rule of thumb is two years. If you work with NACA, though, if you stay with NACA for that entire one-year period and you keep your file updated, we look at that income, it is stable. Every month you identify your business deposits, your business expenses, then after one year, we will qualify you. Um, if you're just coming to NACA and you do not have the two-year history, then you're going to need to continue working with us until you have at least the one year of self-employment and at minimum, one tax return documenting you filed as self-employed. Mm. Okay. Wow. That's a lot of information, everybody. Ooh. And I hope you're, you're taking it all in. Uh, thank you, Ms. Butler, for that question. Yes, Keisha, we know that we have the dynamic, the dynamic dynamic duo here, and we're going to keep them coming just for you. Richard is trying to find out. Richard, give us a little bit more of what you're looking for. Richard wants to know how he can speed up the process. Tell us where you are in the process, uh, Richard, because depending on where you are with your documentations and clearing your conditions or where you are if you just finished a workshop and just going through your intake. We need to know where you are uh, so we can tell you how to go how to go forward and how to get there fast. And Kizzy, uh, we did answer your question about the thin file. How can Kizzy say, how can I get a thin file? And I think the best rule of thumb right there is name, rank, serial number. Kizzy, just pretend like you're dating and you're telling them the only thing he need to know is what I'm telling you. So just name, rank, and serial number. Just give them what they're asking for. They ain't asking you for your history or how you got to the, to the place you are in right now. They just asking you what, what conditions you are, how much rent you're paying. Show me your, your, your 12 months of, of rental payments and things like that. Give them exactly what they're looking for. If you start talking about, well, I changed apartments this time and that time and showing all this instability and things like that, it does lead to questions. So name, rank, and serial number. Yes, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I love this. And I want to talk to Richard and Kizzy for a second. Oh, go ahead. Okay. And I want to address something that you just said. Um, make sure. So treat NACA like treat your NACA counselor like you would your lawyer. Tell your NACA counselor everything. everything. So don't hold off that you had 22 different jobs in the last five years. You need to tell your NACA counselor everything. Your counselor is going to help you with that thin file. Um, so that's really important because your counselor is going to know the things that can come up later at bank and right. things that are not going to. The, remember, the bank, the lender has resources that you don't necessarily have to research. LexisNexis, um, Experian Edge. There's a bunch of tools that they use to look into you beyond what you think they know in your application. Long story short, don't be dishonest about it. You have to right. work with NACA who knows how to condense your file to exactly what they want. The bank doesn't want more information they need but they, they definitely don't want information that contradicts something that they research and find out. So it's really important. So Richard, great question. How do I expedite my process? Um, there's three ways. Number one, you have to do the due diligence to really not just read, but read and study the NACA materials we have out there. Um, the, one of the best resources, if you go to NACA.com, you know, purchase program, Purchase resources. You have your qualification workbook. You have your hand documentation. You have your purchase workbook. You have the appraisal dispute process. When, when you study everything out there, you really know what you need. There's also a document called an initial financial assessment. Great tool. 
Fill that out over and over and over again. Use that as your tool to interact with your counselor. It teaches you how to understand your own payment shock savings pattern. It teaches you how to understand the limiting factors of income to debt ratio, of housing ratio, what our maximums are. It teaches you how to really calculate or shows you what you need to do to calculate your income, calculate your obligations, your liabilities, your monthly debt per month. And it even shows you how to estimate your principal interest tax and insurance payment, your PITI, your monthly mortgage payment. Great tool. So use your resources, you know, make sure you study them. Use the, um, the initial financial assessment, which, which we title it for initial because it's great upfront, but you can use it throughout the entire process and even toward the end of the process. Okay. And then use the resources of the people you have at NACA, like, like Tammy's Hand Department. I mean, they're awesome. If you, once you have your, your, your rehab specialist, you know, make sure you pay attention to what they're saying. When they send you document, documents, make sure you read them. I noticed that one of the biggest challenges that members have is they feel like it's taking too long. Mm -hmm. And one of the, you know, one of the responses I see most often from the bank, from the counselors, from the hand department, and from my department are, well, that was sent to you, you know, two weeks ago, right here in writing. And the person didn't read it, so they missed something. Um, finally, when your file's at bank, check your web file every day you can actually see all your own lender conditions. When you see them, don't call your counselor unless you don't understand them. Most of the conditions are pretty straightforward and we work yeah. really hard to get, the, to get our participating lenders to use language that anyone would understand. I mean, it's very frustrating, these bankers who use acronyms and language that is, that's unique to banking. Exactly. Look, mortgages, it's not rocket science. We don't have to be geniuses to understand a process. It's just what we do. So if we just speak to people in plain terms, people understand what we're asking for. If you just ask for the 2019 W-2, someone knows how to provide that, You know, never code something like that. So if the member just looks at their web file, reads their own conditions and uploads the documents or the solution to that condition straight from the web file, it goes straight to that condition and it'll be a faster process at bank. So every day uh, monitoring that work file, every day working with your rehab specialist and um, your, your counselor's not gonna be as available because they're working with other people all day. So don't get frustrated if you can't reach them right away. Um, use your additional resources, like I said, rehab specialist, your mortgage specialist, and the other resources you have, reading the material to understand the conditions so you can manage your own file. You wanna expedite, you manage it yourself. And if Perfect. I can piggyback on that real quick, one of the things that we coach our members, um, you, you generally come to the hand department after you've been through the process for an extended period of time, but this is a great coaching tool from the beginning. We are always, NACA is looking for homeownership readiness. We're always a little weary about someone who's trying to rush through the process. If you don't take the process for what it is, it's counseling, it's coaching, it's preparation. We want to make sure that you are actually ready for homeownership. We're generally weary of someone that's trying to rush through the process. You want a thin file, we're going to need to take some time with you. The quality of the counseling that you have, the one-on-one, -on -one, that's where you want to come prepared. Make sure all of your documents are in the system. You want to ask as many questions as possible. And then as you leave the counseling session, write down your questions as they come up and be prepared to ask those questions at your next session. 
Every session you have, whether it's with a counselor, your mortgage consultant, the hand department, the mortgage department, prepare to have a quality conversation when you talk to them, because you're not always going to be able to call us on the fly. We're calling and speaking to members all day long, and availability is based on generally appointments. So be prepared for those appointments. Show up on time, have your documents in the system, and have your questions ready. Don't leave the call without fully understanding or having a game plan for the next time you're going to meet. NACA does 50% of the work, but you do 50% of the work as well. And it comes down to your commitment. Eric is absolutely right. You read every single document that comes to you because it's there to coach you, prep you, and prepare you. You want to tell us everything that could happen because our job is to look at those circumstances and find a way to how to make it work for you as a homeowner. If you don't tell us something and we learn late, it could cost you money. You could be in a contract. We find out something at the back end and we can't approve you. You could lose earnest money. You could have spent inspection money. Tell us everything. I always say, we're your priest. You tell us everything. Our job is to help give you absolution or figure out how to get there. And by holding back information, it could only generally cost you later. So always let us know what's going on. We're not here to judge. We're, we're the king and queen of second, third, fourth, and forever chances. We're not trying to stop you from being a homeowner, trying to find a way to help you navigate there. And whatever is in your past, our job is to figure out how to make that happen. So don't hide anything, but read, 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 come prepared, be committed to do your 50% of the job. And it's, it's a load. So be prepared to carry that load. We're not going to speed you up when you're not ready. And uh, we're going to slow you down when we think you're going too fast. So be prepared for that type of counseling and coaching. Good information. We're going to toggle back and forth. Um, We're going to toggle back and forth. We got questions coming in through the, through social media. We got calls coming in. Damien, you had something. And then Denise, Halima, Oziah, Tandra, I'm going to get to all of you guys. And I have a question. Um, This guy actually came in last time you were here, (laughs) uh, Tammy, for the hand department. But Damien, you had something. Go ahead. Just adding also with what Eric and Tammy was saying, uh, the hand department also has webinars. So make sure you don't have to wait till you get into that process to start looking at the webinars. You can go ahead and look at them now and maybe again later. So you will verse, not only can you help yourself, but you can help others because there's a wealth of information to help you in that. But with that, I had a question of how far can you live? Because Atlanta is so sprawled out. You can work in Alpharetta, but live in Conyers. How far can you buy a house? And, and, and just to give you an example, for those that don't know, Conyers and Alpharetta, that's like two other parts of the world, which could take an hour and a half to almost two in traffic. Great question. And our policy and procedure is very specific about this. So I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you multiple situations and answers. So the general rule of thumb is, is well, it's an owner-occupied program, so you have to be within commuting distance. Now, what is commuting distance? An hour away, each way. Can you be more than an hour away and make that purchase? Absolutely, but we're gonna dig deeper. So if you have a history of living further away or similar to what your, your commute's going to be with this purchase, then you've already proven you understand you know, the lifestyle of sitting in a car you know, say it's an hour and a half away, for example, sitting in a car three hours a day, getting back and forth to work. 
Also, some employers, especially now during COVID, but you have to clear it beyond COVID, some employers allow their staff to work from home. You know, that's not typically a blue collar situation or working class people situation. So it's not, you know, typically, you know, the case for our members. But, um, but if your employer does allow you to work from home, we'll get a letter that demonstrates, that specifically says, um, it does not matter where, you know, Mr. John Doe sits, you know, he does this accounting work for us and um, it doesn't matter whether he lives in Alpharetta or, you know, or Athens, Georgia. Um, finally, we're gonna look at the property you're purchasing and your entire profile. It's not that we think that you, you're not, the member is not gonna do the commute. It, that we don't think the member is trying to tell us, oh, you know, I'm gonna do it and then they intend not to do it. What we know from history is people make a genuine effort and then it just becomes overbearing, you know, to raise the family, to manage their job. Now you have a house. Guys, you know, you're going to realize pretty quickly it's worth it. Just like, you know, in my case, you know, just like having kids, it's worth it, but it's a lot of work. Owning a home is the same. It's worth it, but it's a lot of extra time and energy. So we're going to look, are you buying a multifamily? If you're buying a two, three, or four unit, that's a lot of extra work for you. So commuting is going to be, you know, a longer commute, bigger the problem. So we're going to dig in deeper there. And, and, you know, if it's a significant commute for multifamily, we're probably going to say no. If you're downgrading space, it's probably not going to make sense. Is that commute worth it, right? If, you, if you're commuting a really long distance to live in 700 square feet and you currently live in 1,600 square feet, probably not going to be worth it for you. And you probably won't be able to sustain it. And, you know, we want to make decisions that help you sustain your purchase. Where are you commuting to? And where are you commuting from? You know, um, if you're commuting into New York City for a job, you know, that's very different than commuting into Charlotte, North Carolina for a job. So if you're in a, a market that historically people will commute further, you know, to go into that metropolis or that uh, metropolitan area, then we'll, we'll certainly consider that, you know, um, meaning the reason I say using New York City or, or Los Angeles, California, it's because the rents are so high in those cities and the, and the purchase prices are so high that somebody is willing to, to commute to get an affordable housing situation outside the city. But if you're doing, if you're trying to do this crazy commute or this extended commute, but your payment is going way up, than what you're paying now, living in the city. If I'm in rent control in New York City, paying $1,200 a month, but I'm going to go buy in, in Philly and commute every day from Philly, and we see that. But now I'm going to pay $2,500 a month. It probably doesn't make sense for you. Frankly, I'd rather talk to you, that person. Keep your rent control if you're able to. And let's talk about investing your money in a, in a different area than homeownership. Take that, you know, that other $1,300 we're talking about and, you know, wow. put it into your 401k IRA, you know, you're limiting what you do by IRA and so on, you know, other, other investments that we see, you know, the increases on over time. Um, wow. So it, and, homeownership and, isn't right for everyone, especially right. if it reduces the quality of your life. If you have to commute right. four, hour, four hours a day, that may reduce the quality of your life. And that's why this, this, our, our social media and our callers and membership really, really love you and, and Tammy, Eric, because you guys are giving them exactly what they need to hear. It may not be what they want to hear. And we appreciate you for the realness. We, we appreciate real on the show. Definitely. Um, 
Tammy, this is coming from Sammy. He says, welcome back. He's been waiting for you. But Sammy, going forward, you don't have to wait to the show to get in contact with Tammy because we're about to uh, find out from Tammy um, how they can get on your webinars, how can they participate? Because one of Sammy's questions, he is a builder. He um, wants to make sure that him taking his prices, changing his pricing doesn't impact his relationship well, his his upcoming relationship with NACA. So he he's first, I think he's new to the program and want to be a builder, first of all. And that was one of his questions. The second one is how can he have access to the builder seminar? Um, and I'm maybe on the last show, I think you were talking about webinars that you were having and different things like that. How can he participate? He's brand spanking new. Welcome, Sammy. So Sammy, um, thank you very much, Anjanette. And Sammy, I would be very curious, are you a custom builder or are you a track builder? What type of building are you doing? But ultimately, our builder relationship is based on our member relationship with the builders. NACA doesn't build homes. We don't dictate pricing. As long as you are building affordable homes that appraise, what a member can qualify for will dictate whether or not they can purchase your properties. So when it comes to building, um, NACA doesn't have builder requirements outside of, you know, you carry the same warranties and uh, guarantees as traditional track builders. You know, is it, a, is it a public, what am I trying to say? Is it a produced property? Does it have utilities? Does it have its water and electric? Is it been developed, public developed area? Or are you building on custom land? Those are two different things. NACA doesn't do interim financing, so we don't do custom construction loans. But if you're a builder that can afford to build the property on someone's land, how you contract that is we would be the final loan on that interim financing and the member would have to qualify for it. Now, um, I am very aware of how expensive it is becoming to build a home, um, even do renovations around the country. So prices are going up on a regular basis. It's causing the hand department to increase our estimates. We've seen uh, a year long uh, ongoing increase in almost every, every area of construction. At the end of the day, it comes down to affordability affordability. Can the member afford to do the renovation or to buy a new home constructed with increased pricing? The final sales price has to be within their qualification and affordability amount. It has to appraise. If it meets that criteria, come on down. Now, when it comes to the webinars, our webinars are, um, all live webinars are on the NACA website. You can go register. You go into the NACA website in the middle of the purchase screen. You just scroll to the middle. It shows live webinars, clicks a list of every webinar we have. You click the date and time that's available to you. Hand has the property qualification webinar. Every member that's looking to buy a home should attend that webinar now, even if you're not qualified. You need to understand how the relationship of the property you want to buy is going to fit within the relationship of what you can actually afford and how we look at your qualification criteria. If you're thinking about a rehab escrow, our second webinar is the hand rehab escrow webinar. And that talks about the roles and responsibilities, the the loan obligations to a rehab escrow and all of the steps a member has to take. We don't do renovations. NACA doesn't do renovations. We provide an affordable loan product 
that gives you access to funding for renovation. You're responsible for looking for contractors, getting the contractors registered. We talk about that on our webinars and how to get you ready for renovation if that's something you want to do. So the webinars are free. They're Tuesdays and Wednesdays. You can register at any time. You can revisit them at any time. And it is a live webinar. It's put on by the hand rehab specialist team. We are always uh, answering questions and we'll stay on the webinar until all questions are answered. So we, we make sure that there's an ongoing dynamic and that it's not just a recorded webinar that you listen to. It's changes. It's different every week, uh, every day, every week. I think and, that answers your question. We're actually enhancing, you know, I want people to know that we're always enhancing our tools and resources, and we're always enhancing the website. And I know that you're working on a, a specific section for the hand department to have just for you guys. So Sammy and the rest of you guys can reach out to Tammy and, and keep looking on the website because as we enhance, there'll be more to come of, of hand tools and hand resources and webinars and access to Tammy and her department, Sammy. So just so you know. How do you access Tammy? Hand at NACA.com. So uh -oh. if you email hand at NACA.com, that goes into a queue and the appropriate people are responding. Um, if it's something that I need to be brought into, I will definitely get engaged. But all you have to do is email hand at NACA.com. We have a great team over here delegated out to the different needs of a NACA member, regardless of what stage they're in. And you can get a response generally within 24 to 48 hours. Remember, we do update those webinars as we go. So every webinar, if we do improve a resource, if we have additional resources available on the website, we're going to be announcing them there. And we do handouts so you can take away any of the updated documents on a webinar. So just visiting the webinar from time to time through your qualification process will get you ready for homeownership when it starts to, when you get that qualification letter and you go up to your housing search. Um, but again, general questions, hand at NACA.com. We can respond to you pretty quickly and, and get you on your way with your housing search where you want to go. Okay. And that was two questions from Sammy. Sammy, I hope we took care of you because he called in twice. Again, we're at the middle of the show, 833-771-0500. Keep those calls coming in and always throw the hearts up for our dynamic duo T and E, Tammy and Eric coming at you, giving you a double dose of what you need to succeed. Denise, coming at you, Denise, I, I hear you. How can a small business owner set themselves up to be ready for homeownership, for, for homeownership in NACA? I'm so glad you asked this question early in your process, Denise. Um, the best thing you can do is turn your bank statements, whether you use actual business bank statements or personal bank statements for your business. A lot of low and moderate income people just use a regular checking account, regular savings account for our business. But what you do, turn your bank statements into your monthly process pro profit and loss statement. What I mean by that, is go through, and this is a great practice for everyone to do, by the way, mm -hmm. um, even if you don't have a business, to go through line by line of all your spending and all of the all of your deposits. But for Denise, what you're going to want to do, go line by line and identify what, what are the business deposits. So if you return a shirt, you know, and you get a credit for $87, that's not a business deposit. But if you're doing hair and... You know, one of your clients pays you, you know, and Zelle is a popular cash app, all that stuff now. Identify that. Put right next to it on your bank statement. BD, business deposit. 
then you have to buy the extensions that you're putting in or the gels that you're putting in. Um, clearly, I wouldn't know what goes in hair, but, you know, um, <laughs> but whatever it is that you need to take care of somebody's hair um, that you have to spend money on, make sure you identify that. Remember, you know, even though we don't, we're not, we don't have to be experts like you are at whatever your business is, you know, it has to make sense, right? So if we see purchases from Sally's Beauty Supply every other week, but you're not marking those as business expenses, you know, they'll be, that'll take you a really long time to get through the process because you'll get a lot of questions about that. So if something looks like it should be a business expense or business deposit, it's not, put a note right next to it or put a cover letter that says, nope, that was for my personal use because not only do I do hair, I get my hair done and I have to pay for my hair to get done um, and so on and so on. So next to every line of your bank statement, business deposit, business expense, B-E, for business expense, BD for business deposit. Then after, after each 12-month cycle, you're going to take each month, take your deposits minus your expenses, and that's your adjusted gross income for that month. You add those all 12 months up, divide it by 12. That's your average monthly income. That is your monthly income that we're going to underwrite to. Now you're going to look at your last year's tax return and make sure you file the business. Now, our, our go-to is going to be averaging what you filed last year with that 12-month cash flow analysis. We can adjust the cash flow analysis up or down, or the average of the two, up or down, based on what your true income is. So the short answer to your question is really understand your own bank statements. It's not about how somebody filed their taxes. Savvy people can exaggerate business income. They pay more taxes but they know they're trying to buy a house, they might exaggerate. Most of us, however, file taxes in a way that we pay the least amount of taxes. So we're probably understating our business earnings. So it's really important that you have your cash flow analysis going through your bank statements. And Eric, a good counselor is going to ask you, what makes you think that starting a new business and buying a home at the exact same time is a good game plan? Because being a business owner is going to require a lot of attention. Being a homeowner is also going to require a lot of attention. And the money and the time that you put into building a business could conflict with the time that it's going to take to not just acquire the home, but to pay for it and to maintain it. So a good counselor, you should be ready for that question. A good counselor is going to say, why is buying a home the right time right as you're starting a new business? So be prepared for that. That's a great point, Tammy. And Denise, I don't know if you know you're just starting your business or you've had it for 10 plus years. You know, um, So exactly as Tammy's saying, look at your, your individual circumstance. I just want to add to that. That's for the vast majority of our members. Some of, some of our members, though, they file what's called cap corporate tax returns. That's an 1120, 1120S, or a 1065. If you file any of those, then we're generally speaking just going to take a two-year average. So right now we'll do your 2019 and 2020. Um, soon we'll, we'll average your 2020 and 2021 taxes. So I'm so glad Denise asked that question now because you're getting ready to file your taxes. Everyone out there who's self-employed, be very conscious that you're buying that you you're attempting to buy a house now, and don't get crazy with trying to understate your income when you file your taxes to pay less taxes. Now is the time you're trying to buy a house. You know file. You know, you know, obviously you should seek the assistance of a tax filing professional, but file, give them the information and file as honestly as possible 
so that we can state your income as accurately as possible, particularly if you file 1120 or 1065. Great question, Denise. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Hopefully it helped others. Halima, Halima is saying, hello. I recently graduated uh, from a four-year university. She'd like to buy a house. Congratulations, congratulations. on graduating, first of all. And congratulations on realizing that you can own a home even at you know a young age or an early start. But she's asking a good question. Will I need two years of work history like everyone else? Or will my school be an exception to use if I find a job right now? Halima, again, like, like I said, great question and congratulations on graduating. Um, kudos to you. So you're in a unique situation. What we're going to do is something a little bit different for you. If, you're, if you want to qualify using employment income, meaning you get a W-2, a pay stub, et cetera, then we're only going to require one year of work history from you since you've graduated. The, for the previous years, we're going to actually use your school transcripts. So make sure you hold on to a copy of those. Give those to your counselor. As long as we can document the previous year, you were in higher education, which if you graduated from four-year university, you were, um, preparing for life. Then you've lived life, meaning you've had to work you know, your job for at least a year. Uh, then we can qualify you after a year. Um, as you guys know, going out into the workforce isn't for everyone. You know, some people come out for a year, they go right back into school because you know, <laughs> dip, dip my toe in that water. It was a bit chilly for me, you know? Um, <laughs> and you know what? That's great if you have the resources and, and you can do that. Um, so you, what you really want to do is make sure that, you know, you are out there in the workforce for your foreseeable future so that you can maintain your mortgage and your lifestyle. Perfect. Love that. That's interesting. I didn't know we could do that with the one year, but that's awesome. Wow. I love it. Oziah. Oziah said credit card balances. I currently use my credit card for everyday purchases for money back rewards. That's smart. I love that. I haven't paid it off in full yet, but do I pay more than my minimum balance on time every month? Will this delay my process with getting qualified? Also, is it okay that I pay down my credit card balance prior to credit access? Okay, um, Tim, do you want to take this, Tammy, or should I? Oh, I'm chomping at the bit at every question, but this is in Eric's <laughs> wheelhouse, but I might piggyback on this one because Eric and I have been doing this a long time. Yes, and we're is. not a fan of credit cards. We know why people use them. So Eric, you go and I'll come up behind. <laughs> Tammy, it's exactly right. So Isaiah, um, for this process, if you're not paying your credit cards off, Every month, I understand using them. I use credit cards for points. I get my points, but I pay it off every month. The problem with credit cards is, is they're very expensive. You know, you're paying interest to use them. So, so I would have a different plan if I were you, because I like it that you're saying you pay more than your minimum payment. What I'm going to recommend that you do is stop using them, but continue making monthly payments. Come up with a financial plan to where you're going to pay off your credit cards. Get to a place where you use them but you completely pay it off every month. We will use your extra payments to your credit card towards your affordability demonstration. So it's towards your payment shock savings plan. So for example, so let me explain payment shock briefly. Payment shock is the difference between your current housing payment and your desired housing payment. So if you're paying $1,000 a month in rent right now, but you need to qualify, or you wanna qualify for 1,500 a month to make your purchase, 
$500 a month is your payment chunk, the difference between your current and desired housing payment. So what you can do, say you already have your minimum required funds, Isaiah. Um, you know, you needed $5,000 in the bank to qualify and make your purchase. After you have your $5,000, now take your $500 per month that you, you'd be saving and pay down that credit card. Now, the way you pay credit cards, if you have multiple open credit cards, is make the minimum payments on all of them, except for the lowest balance one. So say your affordability for all of your credit cards is $500 per month. The minimum payments, you have five credit cards. For the first four, it's $100 a month. Go ahead and make the minimum payments for those first four. Take the entire $400 left over that you have to be, be able to pay and pay it on the smallest balance. Keep doing that until you kill that credit card. Don't use it anymore. Now you have 400, maybe $430 on the next smallest balance because you've killed that one. You don't have a minimum payment on it anymore. Now you pay the 430 on the next smallest one until you kill that credit card and keep with that process till you've killed all the credit cards. And then as you say, as I only use them to get cash back rewards, discounts and points, but pay it off at the end, end of the month. The one thing that I would add to that, Eric, is credit cards lead you to believe you have more money than you do. Credit cards lead you to believe you can afford something you really can't. So Eric is right. Credit cards are expensive. If you are charging on your credit card and you're paying it in full, you're not really, you're living within your means. But if you're charging on your credit card and you're only paying the minimum you're subsidizing your income. And that really will impact how we look at your readiness for homeownership. If you're subsidizing your income with credit, you really can't afford a home until you get that, that credit debt down and you get your spending habits. Our job as a counselor is not to dictate how you live your life. We don't want to change your lifestyle. But if your lifestyle is impacting your future homeownership, we're going to point out how you need to get that lifestyle in check with your credit spending. Because credit spending tells us you actually may not be ready for homeownership when you're subsidizing your income with the credit that you have. So be mindful of that. That's right. And, and thank you for that realization. We have a couple of people on that's now listening and they're they're making decisions based on your answers that you're giving because you're giving real life uh situations so tammy one of those is africa who's basically saying she signed up for a new home purchase she wanted a new home purchase now she realized based on purchase prices and things like that or whatever the reason she wants to do a rehab instead is that allowed and will that slow down her process? I am so thankful for that question. I was really hoping this was going to come up because here's the reality, 2022. It's expensive to buy a new construction home and it's expensive to do a rehab. Mm -hmm. You need to decide, really, do you have the patience to have contractors in your home? Are you going to be living in it when the construction's taking place? Do you have the time and ability to devote to working with the contractor? To me, this is like a temporary marriage. You got to find someone that is suited to your personality. You got to find someone that is available on your time. And you got to find someone that's on budget with what you have available. New construction to me, is going to be where a lot of people are going to lean. I don't have the time to look for a contractor. I don't have the time or patience to have someone in my house. I don't want to own a home and rent 
while my renovation is taking place. There are things that I am ready to buy, move in and get on with my life. New construction might be that route, but you're going to have to do your homework. Your homework is looking at what does new construction give you price per square footage. Maybe six, seven years ago, I'd say you get more square footage with the renovation. Right now, with the challenges of inventory, I don't know what you're going to get. Um, but pre-existing properties with the minimal bedrooms that you need, the bathrooms that you need, you know, you might find something out there that needs improvement, but are you going to have the time to devote to it? And I can usually tell how much time you're going to devote to a rehab by the time you are available to us when we're trying to get you qualified for a rehab, right? So if you're available when I call, and it's, it's, it's a five days a week from 8.30 to 6 o'clock job, so you're going to be ready to take on a second job. New construction might be smart for more people than moving into the renovation side. And contractor availability is just not there in a lot of markets. They're being pulled in a hundred different directions. Inventory is going up. I'm sorry, uh, materials are going up. So a lot of contractors are stalled. They're multi working multiple jobs and as inventory uh, materials come available, they grab it, they go, you got to be flexible. You might be working with a contractor that has five girlfriends and he's got to keep them all happy. So there's a lot going on in a renovation that might not be happening in a, a new construction. What is best for you and your needs? And you're going to need to do your homework on that. What's the price on the new, on the new home? Do I get about the same as if I did a renovation? We're kind of neck and neck right now. I don't see the big difference other than the time commitment of a renovation. And I love doing renovations. I'm not a new construction person, but right now. Pretty much. You know what? And, and, and I, I got to ask this question because I know we're topping up at the, at the top of the hour, but I got to ask this question because it's going to come up. It came up last show and it, it's come up on the questions on the phone and social media. Latarsha started it off by saying, I'm currently in the file submitted for qualification status. My lease ends March 7th, and I'm wondering if it is okay to put my stuff in storage and stay with family members temporarily in order to avoid getting into a new lease agreement. Somebody else called about a new lease agreement. Should they start it? What's the rule of thumb? Well, excellent question. Um, it's good. Very first, good. first of all, it depends on your family because you know some people you can stay with for a while, and some people you know, they have a time limit on it. They really want you out in a month or two. Um, but the serious answer for that, I mean, that is that is serious. But the serious answer for that is for most people, they freak out because to go month to month, I'm going to pay an extra two hundred dollars a month, whatever. If that's your payment shock anyway, it's well worth it to stay right where you are. We're not going to rush your process because your lease is about to be up. That's exactly right. You should never, ever sign anything to release where you're living right now until you are guaranteed a stable place to live for the foreseeable future, meaning until you get your clear to close with NACA. So don't give up your current place. You know, like, you know, people say, oh, my lease is almost up. I have to hurry up and buy a house. When you hurry up and buy a house, especially in this market, you are going to end up or you're really likely to end up making a bad decision yep. and paying a heck of a lot more Rushing. because you put your back up against a wall instead of taking your time and doing it right. I see, and Tammy sees it more than I do. I see a lot of people out there really dissatisfied in their purchases because they're being told by real estate agents and or by you know what they're looking at, this is all that's available to you. This is all you're going to get in this market, but you got to be a homeowner. 
and then they're downgrading their lifestyle because they believe that's all that's all that's available. The right time to buy a house is when you find the affordable house for you, and it's the house that works for you and your family. And in that, I'm going to answer the Tondra's question also. She wanted to know, you know, if I'm moving from one state to another, how long should I be there? Because it's all tied in, right? Yep. You should yep. never buy in an area that you don't know well. So you should be in an area for at least six months before you buy in that area. You can buy in the wrong neighborhood and be miserable. Um, it's too far from your churches or the grocery stores that you like, or it's too close to family you don't want to be near, or too far from family um, that you do want to be near. You know, whatever, these are things that impact your lifestyle and your quality of life. You know, never hurry, hurry up and make a decision that's going to downgrade lifestyle. And we're seeing it, unfortunately, day in and day out because of the lack of inventory out there. I would add that, you know, life's about choices. The, if you put your back against the wall, you're going to limit your choices. There's not a lot of choices in this market when it comes to inventory, but you want to, you want to be fluid and you want to give yourself as many options. If you are putting yourself on these tight deadlines, if you're letting a lease go and you're going and moving in with a brother and sister and their four dogs and their eight kids, you know, you are going to be anxious and you are going to start making poor decisions. You're limiting your choices. If you, what's, what's the harm in extending a six-month lease? Even if you find a home in the middle of that, surely you can negotiate and navigate through those extra three months. Maybe you can do a renovation and you still have this place while those three months are taking. You just keep options open when you don't put yourself on a very tight, tight line. The minute you put yourself on a tight, tight line, you might as well just take half of your choices and throw them out the window because you're restricting yourself in a way that could financially cost you later on. So be careful about that. Exactly right. Trying to save a thousand dollars this year might cost you $20,000 next year. Or more. Zelle payments. Let's talk about Cash App, Zelle, all the different applications that they use to pay rent and things of that nature. Eric, you did tap into that a little bit earlier, but as from an underwriting perspective, how is that viewed as far as tracking and documenting? Yeah, Tina and everyone else, that's what the world's going to. So it's absolutely fine to, to pay your rent. I think our question was about rent in particular. Yeah, um, to pay your rent by Zelle, Cash App, et cetera, right? The two things that are going to be key, make sure, because that all shows in your checking, your checking account. So when that Zelle comes out to landlord you know, Jane Doe, it's going to show in your checking account. And that's fine. Just make sure you provide us a copy of your lease also so we can see that that $1,250 is the amount of rent. Then we're going to track those Zelle payments or Cash App or whatever the app you're using over a 12-month period and make sure that we see the $12.50 being paid you know, within reasonably close to the beginning of the month, if that's, what the, if that's what the rental agreement says. That's why I said you should have your lease agreement available. Some leases, you don't have to pay till the 15th. Most of them, you pay on the 1st. You know, I've seen them pay on the 24th and just different times a month. So make sure we understand when your rent is due and when it's late. Um, Zelle, you control. So I love Zelle because it's instantaneous. When you make your payment today on the fourth, you know, doing the first, you know, uh, a punishment after the fifth, you pay them the fourth, the fourth is fine. We can see that month after month after month. Eric, how does that apply if you're a roommate and you don't have a lease or you're living with family, but you're paying money? Then you get the person who does have the lease. They'll do what's called a lives with family letter. So if it's a roommate, they'll produce the lease and say, okay, this is my lease. 
and the apartment or the house we're renting is in my name. Here's my deal with you know, Jane Doe. You know, there's our agreement that she's going to pay me $600 per month, all inclusive. So, you know, whether the deal is paying utilities separate or together. So that's what's called the lives with family letter. They're going to state what the obligation for the person who's not on the lease is. Then we're going to track the payment for that person, our member, who's not on the lease for the 12 months. So if their obligation is $600 a month, we're going to treat that $600 a month as their rent because their agreement is with the leaseholder. Wow. And I cannot believe this, guys. I cannot, Damien. It is the top of the hour. And guys, I am so, so, I'm excited. I'm sad. It's bittersweet because <laughs> we we have to stop. We have to, the show is coming to an end. But Tammy and Eric, there's some good questions out here. And two of them, um, I really wanted to tackle that we got one question six times on this show about I got my NACA ID. What do I do? No, it's like nobody knows what to do once they get the ID. Six times we've gotten that question. Um, real quick, once they get their new, they go to the workshop, they establish their web file, they get their NACA ID. What should be their next step? Um, call member services and get your get your face to face or your virtual appointment now during COVID and get your appointment set up. But don't forget what we said earlier. Make sure you're reading all those workbooks. You're preparing for that appointment. You must provide the minimum documentation and information even to get the appointment. We're only going to work with people who are serious about homeownership right now. So if you just want to show up you know, for that virtual appointment and have us figure out what you think you need, that's a difference. You know, you're not as serious and not as ready to have that session. Right now, we're going to have our sessions with members who are ready for that session. So make sure you upload those bank statements, pay stubs, um, letters of explanation. Don't forget, you can go to annualcreditreport.com. We're not gonna pull your credit till we have that session, but it, you get one free report from TransUnion, Experian, Equifax each per year at annualcreditreport.com. Don't do freecreditreport.com. That's a, that's a different service. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the federal government, part of the um, um Fair Credit Lending Acts of of the early 70s, 72 and 74, um, you get a free credit report per year. Annualcreditreport.com is where the government has sanctioned for you to go. Get that free credit report, find out what's on it, start addressing it even before you have your session, um, whatever those issues are. So prepare for your session, schedule your appointment and meet your counselor face-to-face and they'll give you an action plan of what else you have to do to get qualified. And we will be documenting a lot of these questions. Fola, Janice, and the rest of you guys, we're still going to document these questions and get them out there on social media to answer them for you. But Damien, you know, once again, we've come to the end of the road with Tammy and Eric, the dynamic duo. Guys, thank you so much for giving us your time. Damien. Thank you. Pleasure. Always fun and happy new year all. Happy New Year. Thank you guys so much. For those of you out there, you can always, again, continue to reach us out at www.naca.com and our our official social media pages. And don't forget our call-in number that you can call anytime, day or night at 833-771-0500. Everybody, thank you for joining NACA's American Dream Program. Make it a great day. Mask up. Stay safe. 
Thanks for listening. NACA's American Dream Program is a production of the Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America, a national nonprofit organization fighting for economic justice through affordable homeownership and community advocacy. To learn more about NACA and our advocacy efforts, careers, NACA's Best in America Mortgage, or to join a NACA in your community, visit us at NACA.com. Do you want to make a difference in your community and help build a stronger neighborhood? Become an active force locally as an activist. Create long-lasting changes in your community with the full support of NACA, one of the largest national nonprofit organizations fighting for economic justice. NACA's success is based on the active participation of over 2 million members advocating for affordable homeownership and economic justice. To learn more about NACA and how you can join a NACA to fight for economic justice in your neighborhood, visit NACA.com today. Do you want to know why NACA is the best mortgage in America? Let's hear why from NACA homeowners themselves. My name is Alicia Ford. Um, I purchased my home with NACA about a year and a half ago. I highly recommend it and it gives everybody a fighting chance at owning an affordable home with a mortgage that you can afford without some of the crazy lending practices that we know that are out there. To find out how NACA can make your dream of owning your home a reality, visit us at NACA.com. Are you tired of paying astronomical prices in rent? Do you think owning your own home is an impossible dream because you can't afford a down payment or have a bad credit score? Welcome to NACA. We're revolutionizing mortgage lending with the best in America mortgage. No down payment, no closing costs or fees, no PMI, no consideration of your credit score, and at a below market fixed rate. For more than 30 years, NACA has been in the forefront stabilizing communities through affordable home ownership for low to moderate income working people. To find out more information about NACA, visit us at NACA.com. That's NACA.com. Do you want to know why NACA is the best mortgage in America? Let's hear why from NACA homeowners themselves. My name is Barbara Milan. I bought my forever home. I'm not planning on moving again. And it's all because of NACA. I wouldn't have been able to afford the home that I'm living in um, without the NACA program. To find out how NACA can make your dream of owning your home a reality, visit us at NACA.com.